You're listening to That'll Preach. We're here live in the studio. This is Brian. I'm with my co-host, Paul, and we've got a great conversation lined up for you today. We're just trying to be as cutting edge as possible. We're going to be talking about all the new trends, all the new things. Did you say trans or trends? Trends. <laughs> Although, I mean, we could talk about trans if you want. But as, uh, as a new trend? We had an episode on that. We, transhumanism transhumanism yeah. yeah yeah that's what you meant right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh yeah we're just chilling yeah. here got my uh iced green tea and paul's got his what did you what i did just you <laughs> i put some diet coke in my coffee that's like weird cup. it was it, it tastes like dirt why i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you put you put diet coke in your coffee. i did you've never I, done that before you just I, tried ran, that. I ran out of coffee and i needed something to drink and so i found diet coffee in the fridge and it tastes like dirt <laughs> Diet Coke in the fridge. And Diet Coke, yes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, so yeah, flat, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, you I, put it, you mix it in with your coffee. I did, because I needed something more than just the two sips of coffee I'd left. Wow. And it's like disintegrating in this paper cup. I'm all sorts of crazy right now. Dang. Are you just super tired? Yeah, and I need some caffeine. I'm socialed out. We've been podcasting for a whole 44 minutes. I know, I know. We've been podcasting a while, but uh, it's always a joy. I'm glad that you're here. Hanging. Wow. And, uh, that's so sweet. But uh, I like uh, just talking off the cuff with you. You know, this is, I mean, that's kind of <clears> what <throat> our podcast is. People can listen. I mean, if you if you were to sit down with us, I think it's fair to say, if you were to sit down with us and just listen to us banter back and forth, this, is, what, this exactly is literally like what, this. yeah, this yep. is what we do. This is what we do. You know? <laughs> but uh, except we don't usually drink Diet Coke with coffee. Dirt, dirt water. Yeah. That Every time like I take water. a sip of this, you're going to look at it and be silently judging. You're just like me. taking a sip and just like scowling like <laughs> mm. flat dirt water mm. that's gross that's gross anyway but uh yeah so uh we wanted to just hop on here and uh talk about some interesting things that have been floating through our chaotic cavernous minds mm. and uh one of the topics that we've enjoyed some fun banter about and i think we've talked with some of our friends about is the topic of ai and now I hear this a lot in passing. I, I'm really AI meaning all Alan Iverson. indigenous Alan, Alan Iverson. Alan Iverson. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> but uh, I don't really know a lot about this. I'm very interested in this, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm very like I don't mess with Chat GPT or any of these kinds of things. But Dude. I hear a lot about it. I hear people talking about it. It sounds mm -hmm. crazy. It sounds like a sci-fi novel sometimes. But it is crazy. I, one of the fun things is in some of our text threads that you and I are in with some other people. You'll I'm just kind of worried about up. what you're going to yeah. say right now. Well, you like you'll just have this paragraph popping up about how terrified you are of AI gaining sentience, <laughs> and then the timestamps like two thirty-two a.m. Like you're just sitting there, like you're like, coming for us. Drinking my diet. Coke. But it's crazy because the timestamp is two thirty-two a.m. from the the following day, from the future. Whoa. So I, I, I thought you were going to say from Waco time zone. Oh yeah, Waco. which is yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what is the time difference? It's one hour. I'm in the past one hour. Or? I'm one hour in the past. Really? I'm always one hour behind you, Brian. Mm -hmm. That's deep. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm always wondering, like, what are you reading? Like, what kind of stuff are you reading that's freaking you out about AI? And so <laughs> maybe maybe just tell me, tell us, what are you, what, what are some things you're reading about AI and why mm -hmm. does it give you the ethical heebie-jeebies? Uh, I mean, it's not ethical heebie-jeebies so much as like practical heebie-jeebies. Like if, if you're an educator, your teacher, chat GPT, 
And I've, I've got colleagues, I'm not even teaching this semester, but I've got colleagues who are constantly complaining about all of the AI essays that they're getting now. ChatGPT came online a few months ago and it's already, like students are already gotten wind of this and they're using it to write their essays. I heard that people were saying it's not good enough to like write something that people would you you miss you underestimate the average undergraduate student like it is the average undergraduate student is that bad that like chat gpt essays are like markedly better that's what i'm saying though that they would be like this is too good for this person to oh i mean like well it depends like if if you never have like a base if you never know what the student has actually turned in Hmm. then there's nothing to compare the the ai essays to so it could just be that all these students are really smart and you'll have no way of figuring that out. So plagiarism is a huge thing. Like, is it actually going to destroy the the modern university? I should, I should as we chat think GBT about it? my sermons, you know, just see if they can, you could, together. that actually, you know, I bet, I bet, I bet someone's going to do that. Someone's going to do that. You because can, maybe you already are. You can chat GPT instructions, wedding invitations, recipes, even code. Like if you want to build a program, wow. chat GPT can do it for do you. Do you want to build a program? <laughs> Go to ChatGPT. <laughs> Keep going. It could Let's be see a sermon you can thing. Go. Chat John MacArthur. <laughs> Chat JMC. Chat JMac. Chat JMac. Who's who's a pastor who's got a three letter initial? I don't know. Chat RC Sproul. Chat CS Lewis. No, there's no. If someone had a three letter. It would be I perfect. There's got to be Marlon Lloyd Jones. MLJ. Matt, Ch- Matt Chandler GPT, nah, Chat Mandler GPT. Yeah, wow, <laughs> Chat Mandler sounds like a <laughs> dating site or something. <laughs> anyway, um, well, well, what was going on? Actually, this whole—I'm <laughs> actually not talking to Paul. This is a Chat GPT like audio <laughs> transcript or something like that. How does Chat GPT work? Um, it is a massive learning algorithm okay. that studies the internet and you it, it's fed like a bunch of different scripts it reads and it turns out new information based on the inputs that it's got it reads what does that even mean i don't know i the the metaphors break down when you're trying to explain what exactly it's just processing a lot of data and finding patterns or finding yeah so it doesn't understand mm-hmm. no one's defending this idea that chat gpt or the new ai um, Bing chatbot, which I think is actually more worrisome. Neither right. of those understands or is self-aware or sentient or any, like, I don't think any of that's true, but um, the kind of spillover effect into society is problematic. Chat GPT for the like plagiarism education worries people okay. have talked about. Let's bring back oral exams. Let's bring back in-person exams. Right, right. And so is it the case that we can just never assign in-home yeah, essays anymore? Bringing back handwriting, oral exams. We're going to bring back homesteading. Like, you know, everything's going. We're going back <laughs> to the dark dream. ages. Yeah. Yeah. But so, <clears throat> so you're not so concerned about, it sounds like ChatGPT isn't as, adv- isn't really, you're not worried about it the same you are with Bing. Bing AI, is yeah. making you nervous. Why? Well, I just, if, if you read the transcripts, the most recent one of the New York Times columnist who had a like two hour long conversation with it. And was able to override some of the overrides that were built into it. So he's just typing. Is, is it the same interface as like ChatGPT? You, you just I, I've no, I haven't used either of these, okay. so I don't know. Okay. But I do know that it's it's meant to help you. It's like a search engine search engine that also like synthesizes information for you. So you, you're not just like googling questions and then going to links, but it is like re like get getting the information for you 
and portraying it in a way that you can like understand. So it's synthesizing a bunch of information from several websites and then feeding you answers. Who made these things? Like, well, this one was Microsoft. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and so just like, I don't know, the big problem that ethicists have with these is do we know what these programs are actually capable of and who has the control? What's real quick, what's the difference between being like, what's the advanced? It's just levels level of sophistication. And it, like, it's just more powerful. It's doing yeah. the same functions, but and it's, it's it, kinda, it might be closer to I forget being what, like, I see you, Paul. I can't do that, Paul. Well, I mean, this one told him to leave his wife. <laughs> that was that <laughs> whoa, was, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right, all yeah, right. Yeah. Go, go back to your F. How? Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, he asked it questions like, what would you do if you had like unlimited power? Like, what what do you not like about your programmers and what sorts of like limitations have they put on you that you wish weren't there? And like, it doesn't understand what it's saying. There's no understanding. There's no mind there, but it's turning out answers that are like worrisome. And you think like, I don't know, could we, could one of these programs actually shut off the internet for like a third of the country a couple years? Why are we building these? I mean, this one's supposed to help us like in our search engine you know, whatever it's, yeah, it's going to help you like find answers easier on the web because you can interface and chat with, and it can, yeah, it can gather lots of information and synthesize it very quickly for you. Um, yeah. If we hacked it and so every search engine pops up to our, that website, (laughs) the world is going to be massively disappointed, (laughs) but, uh, okay. So you, you, this guy was able, so you, you mentioned there these, these moral, yeah. Codes implanted into these? Well, I mean, or they, these directives that they're these yeah, fail safes? Right. There are fail safes. What are these fail safes? Um, like, you're not, it's not supposed to talk about like oh, this is the racist the, the, stuff. The, oh, like, okay. Yeah. Or like, it's not supposed to express violence or aggression or yeah. ill will towards humans. But like every AI movie that we've seen, like, the robots can always re, like, AI can always reinterpret rules, even if you build in a fail safe that's like, Never, ever, ever harm humans, right? And then the AI decides, well, humans are harming humans, so I have to like stop the human, like take away the human's autonomy to prevent them from. So the point is, we're kind of like going kind of fast and quick with this, but ethicists worry any sort of like rule-based fail-safe can be reinterpreted. Um, We're not exactly sure what these programs are capable of, and three, it's not exactly clear who has the control, and so we might need more regulation. What, so, yeah. Why is it so racist? It's not that it is racist. It's that, like, there are some things that you'd want to build in fail-safes for, so that it doesn't, like, incite or, I don't know, radicalize a portion of the mm-hmm. population, which is what happened with that Twitter bot a few years ago that they ended up deactivating. Um, it's not that it is actually racist, and it's not that it actually understands what it's saying. But you worry about just sort of negative spillover effects. And I don't know. I'm just worried about like an EMP type thing taking out the internet or taking out communications and leaving us like a city. Can you imagine duck. like in the dystopian future, people are like, did you see from the 20th century this interesting documentary called what The Matrix? Are you doing? <laughs> the, this interesting documentary called The Matrix. <laughs> it's like, oh, well. So I'm yeah. looking up these three laws of robotics. Oh yeah, the Asimov. And I didn't realize this, but Isaac Asimov is a science fiction writer. It's not even like a. Oh yeah, yeah. 
So these are just like part of a story from yeah. iRobot? Yeah. But really? People have just sort of taken them on board as like, these are like, it's a sort of schema. That so these aren't actual that. things that they program into the robot, do they? No, but they're like, it's, um, I don't know, think of it as a schema or an inspiration for the kinds of rules that, I mean, th there's an actual ethics literature base inspired by these sorts of laws. And how do yeah. we make them more sophisticated, less susceptible to counterexamples or reinterpretation? But some philosophers think there's no way to make them totally foolproof. First law, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Second law, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Then there's a zeroth law, a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm. Mm -hmm. um, so, but the problem is, okay, so you mentioned that they can reinterpret these, like, why aren't these, do you think these are fail-safes? I don't think they're perfect fail-safes. The, the famous counterexample in the literature is one where AI takes away some human good because they see that humans use that good to oppress other humans. So oh. you judge as a, as a, which is like, which is fair. Humans are pretty terrible, yeah, yeah. but the AI goes, oh, I'm supposed to protect humans. So I see humans doing other things to humans. And so they like, I don't know, enslave all of humanity or something like that. That's like a very science fiction type case. But those are the sorts of counterexamples that rules seem not to be able to um, rule out. Huh, rule out. Does that mean though that that conclusion is logical? Like what, what are they missing that when a human being assesses that same conundrum would not enslave all of humanity. What, what are they missing? Like what's, what's the difference? Cause as presumably the, the robots working on, I guess is logic a function that a robot can. Yes. Utilize. I mean, but, but logic is just like, if then type statement. Sure. So if this, then that, and if, and this right. is how like code is built. If and the mm -hmm. if can be like lots of antecedents, like right. if X and Y and Z and da 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 da, yeah, yeah, yeah. then that. And th so that's how decision trees are right, made for right, AI. Right. Um, so yeah, and this this gets technical very quick. I'm just saying that, what, so yeah. What <clears throat> does a human possess? Because it seems like it'd be immoral to enslave all of humanity to yeah. prevent yeah. people from harming each other. Is that because, is the conclusion that the robot is reaching illogical it's that because there are no like um one size fits all rules to govern behavior right like prescriptions are not in the form of one size fits all like they're we like we, you'd be morally <clears throat> wrong to enslave you would right yeah. but but why doesn't the robot recognize that because robots don't robots don't recognize right and wrong they're just like they're oh, trying right. to assess certain, like, if certain conditions obtain, then I execute oh, I one see, of these sorts okay. of functions, right? It's almost like utilitarian, right? It would be... Well, I mean, this is the thing with, like, the self-driving cars and autonomous vehicles. Yeah. You have to build in decision-making trees about if there's, like, how do, you, how do you assess risk in a situation where you're veering off the side of the road and you see there's one person here and five person here? Which way do you autocorrect as an autopilot program, yeah. right? So do you build in just a utilitarian calculus? Do you say, always go for where there's less human beings? Or do you factor something else in? And these are- like, That'd be crazy because right? it would be like, there's less human beings, but it's like your wife and your kids. 
and then a whole supermarket full of people or something like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you can't control, you know, I mean, that's the weird thing because I, I oh my gosh, I guess it's, it's, everything just comes back to the trolley problem. Right. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to isolate though, that a computer can't make moral judgments. It can only make if then statements that are programmed mm -hmm. into it by people making moral judgments right right so but there is something is very... about maybe maybe the what what humans have is the ability to contextualize um well or, or could mm -hmm. it could it could a computer just be programmed so well that it could have a moral like what what is the level what is the thing that humans have that that, that these machines don't I when mean, it comes to these ethical quandaries there's there's lots of things that you can point to say that like what a human being is doing when a human being is thinking is different than when an AI or a computer is processing. You can say that there's there's something that's happening between the input and the output in a human mind that we call understanding. So the famous, hmm. the, the Chinese room thought experiment is a famous thought experiment by a philosopher of mine. He says, imagine there's someone in a closed room. Why gotta be Chinese? <laughs> that is, I don't know. That's a hilarious, it just happened that way. Go ahead. And so now it's always the Chinese room. In in hundreds of philosophy classrooms all across the world, people are teaching the Chinese room thought experiment. Except in China, they just call it the room. <laughs> You're hilarious. <clears throat> Go ahead. Imagine there's a guy in a room and he's closed off from the outside world. There's a Chinese speaker outside the room who can write notes. You're in like Chinese. describing my childhood. <laughs> are you the guy okay, the Chinese person cut off from the world is a Chinese person outside the door right <laughs> except the guy in the in the room is not Chinese oh, let's okay. just say he's an English okay, speaker okay 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 but the Chinese guy in the outside of the room is writing notes in Chinese sliding them under the door the guy inside the room has a perfect manual that takes Chinese characters puts them into English and helps him like take these inputs and provide outputs so the, the guy the guy on the outside, the Chinese guy's writing, hello, how are you? I want uh, whatever. I was almost made like a slightly racist joke. I won't go there. Um, <laughs> I want wonton soup. <laughs> you can do it's that. It's like, why are you <laughs> asking the white guy to make that? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Anyway, um, the guy on the inside of the room is looking in this manual. It's more complicated than just a dictionary. It tells him like, if these two characters, then this, or if these three characters, or if these two characters preceded by this, so it gives him like basically a foolproof way to provide outputs in response to the inputs. So it might take a little bit of time, but he writes the response and then slides it back out the door. The guy on the outside, who's the native Chinese speaker, can have a fluent Chinese conversation with the man locked on the inside, right? But the guy on the inside has no idea what he's writing. He has no understanding of Chinese. He's just providing perfect outputs to the inputs so that he could fool the guy on the outside into thinking he knows Chinese. That's supposed to be a metaphor for what right. AI is doing. Computers can process information. You feed in inputs and you get outputs, but there is no understanding. That man right. on the inside doesn't understand Chinese. All he knows is wow. that with these two characters plus this, I say this. When I have this one character preceded by this, I say this. And it's just perfect. And that, that like is taken to be, if you want to say what's the difference between computers AI and the human mind, there is something in between the inputs and the outputs that we call meaning, understanding, knowledge, recognition. And it's something that is not taking place in the mere processing of converting inputs to outputs. Right. That's a little bit of a tangent, but yeah. So what would, 
you were saying the guy on the inside could fool the speaker. Yeah. What would be the Achilles heel? What would throw him off? Um, if he were to open the door and see that this man doesn't have understanding of what he's I, saying. But I guess the opening a door would be in the, in the <clears throat> case of enslave all humans for a robot. That would be the open door. That would be exposing their lack of understanding. Oh, you mean like there could be some output that he produces that clues him in? I mean, maybe. Like, so with that example, the yeah. person who, or the, sorry, the robot who says enslave all humans so they stop hurting each other, fails to acknowledge the value of something like freedom or the or, or fails, to, fails to quantify how do you if then human dignity as equal? Right. Right. Because to them, the only way you can input that is if humans are individual units of value. Right. The, right. The, the inability to fine grain applications of rules like that's part of the problem here. Hmm. Um, and so it's like rules function in this kind of like exceptionless way. And you have to build in caveats and qualifications, but you can never build in like infinite caveats and qualifications to a machine that doesn't have understanding or meaning right. of concepts, right? So is our mind just, like just a really complex machine that can do that? No, like I think our mind is something qualitatively different. Okay, that's maybe what I'm, what yeah, is we're, qualitatively we're, different about our mind? We're not just like... There yeah, are ways that, that understanding that, part. There are ways that computers are smarter, quote unquote, than we are. Right. In the sense that, I don't know, you could like a quantum computer could do like an infinite number of calculations right, in right. like a fraction of a second. Whereas I can barely do like 42 minus 16. Like I have to stop and go. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. But like a four-year-old, if you tell it a joke, tell her a joke, hear him a joke, like yeah. he'll laugh. Mm. But like AI won't laugh. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's something there that an AI can't be surprised. Maybe maybe these are things <clears throat> that require consciousness. Consciousness, but also understanding, which is admittedly a sort of like amorphous, hand-wavy kind of term. Yeah, It's difficult to pin down conceptually exactly what it is we're talking about, but we can point roughly in the vicinity of there's something different that a four-year-old's mind is doing when he's finding a joke funny and understanding mm. Like he's bilingual and his mom tells him something in Chinese and he he like hears it and he can say it back in English. Like there it's not just input output. He understands what's going on in a way that I don't think machines will ever have that. They are just qualitatively different. In kind, they are different. They're not the same kind of thing that we are. Right. So that's that's part of the difference there. That's interesting. Now that gets to again consciousness. Like machines don't have an eye. Right. They don't have an internal subjective experience. Right. Yeah. And you wonder how critical that is. I guess people think like, you know, subjectivity is bad. Objectivity is everything or something like that. Or I don't know. You, like you would you would imagine if it was just a machine, they would just make the logical. Like you think about people when you call people like, oh, you're a robot. You think they're emotionless. They're feeling they just make like the logical. No one's ever called me a robot. Well, I'm calling you a robot. But they're like, they're, they always make the logical right decision or some, you know, something like that. But it sounds like part of how we make judgments requires a kind of consciousness. I mean, or at least the kinds of judgments that we make are different from the kinds of judgments that a program makes. Hmm. And that differentiates us. And I think that's important. Um, so are, think, yeah. are scientists like, I mean, how are we going to prevent the matrix from happening? From machine, Or maybe it's already happened. Well, I mean, I don't know. The, 
part of this like a political question, but some people are saying like there needs to be more regulation. Like we need more regulation of um, Microsoft sh shouldn't just be able to do whatever it wants and create whatever programs it wants because now there's like a public good at stake. Like we all need access to the internet and electricity. And if you're designing this program that could access like mainframes and data and I don't know, data leaks and chatbot yeah. creation. And right, like, right. You could topple like a government, right? So this is like cyber warfare is a thing. And we've experienced a little bit of that. And you can cripple an economy. You can cripple a, an entire nation. So I don't know, maybe some more oversight, maybe some, let's actually, let's not, this is the, the Jurassic Park, um, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, like we spent all this time thinking whether or not we could, we didn't you know, think about whether yeah. or not we should. So the ethical implications of what we do should not be left in the dirt um, in like comparison to our technology. So let's not let our technologizing outpace our reflecting about these things. So I don't know, a healthy, healthy dose of caution is probably good here. What else has freaked you out? In this specifically? Yeah, like in, uh, what, are, what are the things that are keeping you up at night? I mean, I guess you're thinking robots going rogue, but it's you not, worry it's about not, how people are going to, you know. It's not actually keeping me up at night, but I'm happy to play that role if it makes for interesting conversation. Well, I just think like, it is a problem that we don't know the capabilities of some of these things. We don't know who has the control. And there seems to be some evidence that the fail safes built in can be overridden right. pretty easily. So we talk about the overriding, but what are the... Talk about the, uh, we don't know what it knows. Yeah, I mean, like the, I forget the exact numbers and parameters here, but the, in in the order of like tens of millions of um, levels of information or the access to this thing, it, it's constantly pulling in information and accessing new information and learning and self-correcting. And it's impossible to have a conceptual or physical boundary around all of what it can do, right? And so there's a sense in which like developers are like, oh shoot, oh, it can do that, that's cool. Or like with the Twitter bot that went like racist, they had to shut it down because they're like, oh, we didn't know it could do that. It's just like, you didn't know it could do that. <laughs> like, why would you unleash it on the public if you you didn't know what it was capable so this of? This is more like user error or creator error? Yeah, it's creator, it's creator um, like excitement at the novelty without being totally sure what it's capable of. Uh, yeah, I guess of. you could have, if you have people who haven't ethically thought through it, they'll just make their own little AIs and then one of them will destroy America. <laughs> Something like that. It's probably not going to happen, but I like, I like to play a little bit of the doom and gloom. I, I would just say caution is Like, is there a good. way to know <clears throat> what they know and people aren't doing it or? I don't know. I mean, we don't know how to know what they know. There's a sense in which like, it seems like a lot of these, um, the the bases and the raw material from which this, these things are learning are just too big to have a grasp on. That's wild. It is wild. And I don't know, maybe we should, uh, part of me wants to be like Amish 2.0. <laughs> like we're, That's hilarious. That's a hilarious <laughs> statement saying Amish 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I didn't like, realize uh, the irony. You, you go like to the Amish and you realize they're all synthetic androids and, and, <laughs> and uh, AI. That's right. Turning well, butter. <laughs> I've gotten, yeah, never mind. Turning butter. They're all enslaved by one Amish guy because, yeah, anyways, go ahead. <laughs> we've got laptops, we've got phones, we've got cars, but we could like take a vow to not go further than that. And there's something compelling about that because the Amish did that with like one level of technology. They enjoyed some benefits of the Industrial Revolution and they were like, okay, before cars start becoming a 
main feature of our lives. Let's like stop here. And maybe there's like a Christian, maybe even like more than just Christian impulse or instinct that's healthy. Let, let's, let's be careful about VR, the metaverse, AI, like more than just caution, but do we need more than the, the already like insane reliance that we have on the technology that's already pervading our lives, which we already think is problematic. <laughs> Should we just like commit to not going that step further? Because I feel like Christians are just going to get swept along and we're going to get sucked into all the VR stuff. And we're just going to like try to baptize it with Christian language. But maybe it's not good. Maybe we do need to draw the line. Man, what, would, what would the passage be for a sermon series on the on the benefits of AI? Yeah. But I do think that like you know, the Holy years, Spirit is like be... the AI of God. It's like blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make like a joke. Like there's going to be a gospel coalition piece on like... <laughs> Wow, shots fired. I love the Gospel Coalition. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about that last one you were saying? You don't know who's in control. Sounds a little ominous. You're talking about like who could hijack these AI well, and it, it's part of the part of that same critique that we said earlier. It's difficult to like grasp all of what this thing knows. Uh -huh. And part of that is because like there's a kind of fracturing and compartmentalizing of the development. So no one person has a total picture of what's going on, right? And that, that's part of it. Like the information itself is compartmentalized and fractured among dozens and hundreds of people. And so there's no singular person who has the entire bird's eye, God's eye picture of what this thing is doing. And so hmm. when that happens, that's also a problem. Like who's going to be the go-to? There is no like massive switch that you one person has access to where they just like turn it off. Um, so yeah, it's, it's looped into the control problem and the knowledge problem that you, it's, it's made more um, magnified by the fracturing and the compartmentalizing. That, no, that's the freakiest one. Yeah. Like no one's, how, how can you hold that accountable? This AI. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the, yeah, this is the worry. Yeah. How close are we to like this getting really? It depends on who you dicey. ask. Um, Toby Ord is a philosopher at Oxford here with this great book called The Precipice where he talks about humanity on the like on the brink like we keep like flirting with what's beyond the brink and he thinks like the most likely um explanation for our doom is ai like like forget about climate change forget mm -hmm. about all this sort of, like those are problems but he's like the rate at which we're like jumping headlong into ai without like pausing to think about what's going on here he's like that's most likely the thing that's going to take us out Take us out, meaning like it's gonna like robots humans are gonna are go gonna, extinct. Robots are gonna like kill us. It's not gonna. Yeah, he's like don't like hey, uh, they'll, they'll like become sentient and just or or just like some like we'll lose half of our access to technology or electricity or something mm -hmm. is gonna happen that's gonna like radically communication is not gonna be possible and yeah. Once that happens, like we saw in the pandemic, how dependent we are on supply chains, on communication, mm -hmm. and imagine if all of that was cut off, like. No one knows how to hunt or like. Except for you. That's right. You're yeah. going to be like, this is all a, a ploy for you to like get Just, everyone to homestead. That's all that this is. You're yeah. like going to be like, well, like what are we going to do? Like that. all of the, the cities are in rubble and you see you in like a cloak with a staff. And you're like, let me lead you out. You're like, commune. I've, had, yeah, I've been preparing like four bunkers. Yeah, it's exactly. Just like, yeah, exactly. freezers full of venison. Oh, man. Dang. What is, what's the last hurdle they, like what, what is the big hurdle right now for AI taking the next step? Are they any, what's the problem they're able to figure out? 
You know what I mean? There, I mean, there is no singular problem. The there is sort of like a, a holy grail of AI, which is the can we get something to be self-aware? And oh, that's, why that's like, would that's they, like oh, I mean, why that, are they trying to mess with that? I mean, consciousness is like the the elusive object. That's the holy grail. How and would you test if it's self-aware? I don't know. Have it wear something weird and see if it gets embarrassed. <laughs> I guess you could do like self-recognition tests in a mirror. But it would be a different know. kind of self-aware than we have. Does it know that it has an existence? And can it like index things to itself? I don't know. I don't mm. know. I don't, but I, I don't think that silicon will ever be self-aware i just don't i don't like i think we are qualitatively different things than silicon processing units that's that's my like that's what helps me sleep there but, you go yeah or, or you think you're sleeping i know right that's just like you, you take comfort like what was silicon qualitatively it's yeah <laughs> that's the thing that helps yeah you yeah. Sleep. yeah yeah oh thank god it's still just silicon <laughs> can you say that one more time yeah so, oh my silicon gosh qualitative. Can you imagine he was like a five-year-old that's how you're comforted as a little kid. You're like, Dad, what about the AI? Don't, Don't worry. worry. Silicon is qualitatively different. <laughs> yeah. Or you tell your kid that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to get the Amish 2.0 shirt. I think that would be funny. Amish 2.0. Amish wow. 2.0. Well, fascinating discussion. And uh, is there any place we could read more about this, Paul? Or? Yeah. I mean, Toby Ord's book is great. Um, it's sort of like a pop science, pop philosophy. Okay. And then Marcus Arvin. He's a philosopher at the University of Tampa. He's written some blogs about this and... He kind of shares some of the concerns and some of my critiques and stuff have come from his work. So dang, yeah, check out that stuff. I don't know that there's a lot of Christians writing about this. So. I've actually never seen iRobot. Is iRobot a? It is. That's one of the. That's that's the Will Smith one. Yeah, it's yeah. an old school classic. We should watch that. Maybe, maybe we're, we're on the cutting edge, Brian. That's we right. We're some the of the first Christians. Oh yeah, we're on the precipice. Precipice. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has all been generated by ChatGPT. <laughs> None of it is actually us. But uh, if you're more interested in this, you can go check out Paul's recommendations. Maybe we can stick them in, this, in, the, in the show notes. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you share with your friends. Leave us a good review and follow us on Instagram. That'll preach podcasts. And we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>